Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, episode 114. How can you change your competitive game? Create Alliance Constellations. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success on the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And right across from me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pam. It's always a pleasure to join you for another episode of Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. And if you're listening for the first time, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for visionary leaders to accelerate themselves and their companies to their next level of growth and success. So Pam, what are we focusing on today? How we can all change our competitive game. Okay. In this case, not by having just one strategic alliance, Mm -hmm. but by intentionally joining multiple strategic alliances together. This can vastly expand our ability to redefine what's possible for staying first, fast, and foremost in the marketplace. Okay. The fact is, we're seeing an increasing number of companies that are heavily relying upon the success of alliance relationships for substantial aspects of their strategy. Right. That's why even though CEOs, C-suites, and boards are not often hands-on in these relationships, the principles behind designing, leading, and sharing alliance value is something that everyone needs to be familiar with. This allows us to better evaluate the real opportunity, the risk, and the rewards, the ROI. Right. And of course, alliances are not at all new, and lots of companies have multiple alliances. But what's different now is that there are lots of advances in technology and communications that have made it possible to create a much wider range of alliance combinations. These relationships can change fluidly to meet your needs and your customers' needs as a business environment changes. And this allows you to adapt and increase capability and capacity and reach as never before. The trick, of course, is to do this so that the interests of all stakeholders are served to the greatest extent possible. And that's no easy feat. Oh, yeah. That's why we're so happy to be speaking again with Ben Gomez Caceres. He is an expert in the strategy of business combinations who's been studying, teaching, and consulting on this topic for 30 years. Ben first joined us in episode 91, where we discussed his newest book, Remix Strategy, The Three Laws of Business Combinations. Right. Ben has published four other books, as well as many academic and managerial articles. He's a professor at the International Business School of Brandeis University. Previously, he was a professor at Harvard Business School, and before that, an economist at the World Bank. Ben holds degrees from Harvard, Princeton, and Brandeis. A native of Curacao, he speaks four languages. And you can see more about Ben by going to growthignitersradio.com, selecting episode 114, and scrolling down to resources. Ben, welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio. Well, thank you very much, Pam and Scott. It's a great pleasure to be back with you, and I look forward to engaging with you and your audience on this topic. It's such an important topic, and let's just jump right into this. Ben, how would you describe an alliance constellation? Well, it's really maybe a technical word for something very commonplace that we all know about. 
and that is that it often takes a team to get the job done. Right. We need more than usually one partner very often in business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so as businesses become more complex, and we find that today with the rise of technology and many other pieces of industries that we need to kind of stitch together in order to create our business, we often need more than one partner. And mm-hmm. the question then is, how do you organize these? And I call it an alliance constellation, which means that it's a number of firms, maybe two, maybe three, maybe five, maybe sometimes more, that together create value and need to be managed as a team. So can you give a quick example? I mean, one that comes to my mind is Airbus, for instance. That's a good example because Airbus obviously has multiple partners that contribute different parts of the technology and the manufacturing and the marketing of that product. But even so, closer to airlines, the airline services, the airline that fly, uh, uh, United and American and Delta, uh, they all have large constellations, Mm -hmm. large groupings of teams of players with which they span the globe. So we know this, for example, when we fly Star Alliance partners or One World Alliance. Alliance partners or Sky Team Alliance partners. Right. And those are those constellations of multiple players, each in a different country. And together, they add more value than if they each try to do all of that global flying on their own. Okay, so the difference then between an alliance constellation and just a group of alliances, multiple alliances that are not a constellation, is that the constellation the different partners are connected and there's really some kind of common governance yeah. so that they're an entity in themselves, yes? Yes, I think that's right. Uh, they're, they're consciously managed as a team. Okay. Uh, so if you throw people together, maybe they can get more done than one person. But if they throw them together and they actually organize themselves as a team with a leader, with some uh, rules of engagement, uh, with some division of labor, then that team will get a lot more done. Uh, and in other words, compete better uh, than if you just have a random collection of people. And one of the things I think to realize is that sometimes these constellations do grow uh, in an ad hoc fashion. They kind of begin, uh, we have one partner, then another, then another. And before we know it, you turn around and there are five or six or 10 that we have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then at that point, uh, companies often say, well, it looks like we need to organize this portfolio, this network Uh a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And let's then apply some conscious thinking to that strategy. Okay. So you mentioned that they can compete better. Why is that? Well, because by putting together uh, competitive advantages of different firms together, you get the one plus one is three effect. Ah, okay. uh, if you recall from our discussion earlier, uh, that is one of the laws of success of any business combination. Uh, you have to be able to do uh, create more value or, or better products or, or cheaper products uh, when you act together with a partner than alone. And when you do that with multiple players, that effect can get even uh, exponentially greater. So when would you say is a constellation approach most appropriate for achieving strategic objectives? Right. It depends on your industry, and it also depends on your competitors. So some industries are very simple. You don't need a lot of different components uh, in order to achieve a good market value. And other industries require a whole ecosystem, as we also use the term sometimes. Mm-hmm. And today there are there are platforms that, that engage uh, users and buyers and sellers, and, and therefore multiple sides of the business have to be engaged with each other. So if you are in one of those kinds of industries where multiple parts are needed for success, then it's hard to get away from the idea that it's better to coordinate those parts than to uh, just let them fall uh, together uh, randomly. 
Uh, And so it also depends on your competitors or who your main challenges are in the market, uh, because sometimes they start using multiple partners. And and that may be a reason why uh, one would have to, in a way, follow that strategy uh, as a competitive reaction. You know, I'm thinking that there are so many companies out there that have these kinds of relationships. It's hard to find one almost that isn't set up in these multiple relationships. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Ben Gomez-Casaris, author of Remix Strategy, about applying the three laws of business combinations to Alliance Constellations. Stay with us. We're so glad you're joining us on Growth Igniter's radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated on the web at businessadvance.com. We focus on enabling visionary leaders to dramatically increase momentum in their companies for game-changing results. Does this topic resonate with you? Check out related episodes to expand your perspectives and take away even more immediately actionable ideas. Just go to growthignitersradio.com, episode 114, and scroll down to resources. And while you're there, sign up for our weekly alert of upcoming episodes so you'll always be up to date. Welcome back to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are speaking with Ben Gomez-Casares, author of Remix Strategy, about how creating alliance constellations can help us create a competitive advantage. Ben, how can people find out more about you and your books? Uh, Thank you, Pam. Uh, My book is called Remix Strategy, The Three Laws of Business Combination. It's published by Harvard Business School Press. It's available on Amazon, of course, and um, I have my own website that uh, talks more about that topic. It's remixstrategy.com. Okay. In the first segment, we discussed the concept of alliance constellations and why it makes sense to do it, a little bit about when. But of course, there are principles that you talk about that underlie the success of any alliance relationship, and especially so with these alliance constellations. Now, let's dig deeper and apply these three laws to the constellations. I guess first up would be, how do you address joint issues of value creation in constellations that say different from the one-to-one alliance relationship? Well, thank you for framing it that way, because I do think that these three laws apply very broadly to bilateral, one-to-one, as well as to multilateral, multi-party constellations. Mm-hmm. And what we're looking for there is this idea that one plus one is three, right? So if, if you think of playing poker or, or any card game, uh, any one of those cards, Queen of Hearts, uh, it, it doesn't have its own value. The only value it has is because it's part of a hand. Right. It's mm-hmm. part of a royal flush. Yep. And that makes it valuable. And so what you're looking for in your own business is to understand what other businesses near you, adjacent to you, are complementary to yours, are needed by consumers or users in order to actually complete the service or the or the product that they want to have. Mm-hmm. So a classic, uh, obviously, complementarity idea is gasoline and cars. I mean, we, we, we look around and, and there are many other places where uh, bread and butter go better together than by themselves. <laughs> right. uh, and yeah. so when you find that in a business, even a complex hardware, software, or even a service, when you find that there are other businesses or services or components that if you were to work with them more closely, 
and get a better fit that you can then create a better service or a better product, that is mm-hmm. an opportunity for that kind of alliance. And, and obviously, when you do it with more than one partner, you are creating, as I called it, an, an alliance constellation. And, and, and one has to be careful about that strategy then. Absolutely. And when you're thinking about literally changing the game, this is when I think that the C-suite and boards really have to get involved, right? Yes. I mean, you're talking about going into whole adjacent ecosystems. Mm -hmm. You're talking about creating something that wasn't before possible. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of what our listeners are looking at now. Yes. So it seems to me that this is an area where too often it's delegated. You know, I I see this as something that everybody who's involved needs to know about on some level, even Mm -hmm. if you're not the one who's hands on creating it. I think that's right. Um, uh, obviously, our complex organizations do, do do value a certain amount of delegation. At the same time, having that vision, having that leadership for uh, driving a, a larger set of partners really needs to lie at the top. Uh, I don't think it gets done uh, at the at the alliance dealmaker letter. It gets mm-hmm. done at the strategic level higher up in the company. Uh, and when we look at uh, uh, companies that have disrupted or somehow changed uh, their industry, uh, you know, take Apple or Google as well-known examples, mm-hmm. uh, each one of them used something like this to overturn the existing products that may have existed before that didn't didn't stitch together as many pieces. I mean, Google uh, is a collection of businesses, as we know, uh, and, and those businesses interact with each other, reinforce each other so that the totality of Google's uh, value is greater than any one of those businesses. Businesses on its own. Right. And on the flip side of the coin, just as the top of the organization has to be involved strategically, the people who are managing and, and creating the uh, organizations and the alliances need to be keyed into the strategy. They have to have a strategic and not just an executional mindset so that all the pieces work together the right way to get the outcome you really want. Well, yes, uh, it's very important that uh, people actually implementing an alliance be not only conscious, but active in the strategy formation for the whole constellation. Right. What I like to say is you you have to have a global vision, but also local gains. Right. Uh, So we need to know at the local level uh, what makes the various partners successful uh, and how do we nurture that so it's successful. At the same time, when we make those decisions with individual partners, or if we were perhaps to uh, solve particular problems, or decisions with them, um, we can't do it without thinking about the impact that might have on other partners. Sure. And so these complex, uh, large alliances, like the airlines, for example, mm-hmm. as I mentioned to you, uh, you know, when they when they're working with one partner uh, in Asia, the decisions they take are going to affect other partners that fly mm-hmm. in a similar route. Right. And so not only do we need that mindset, but uh, individual rules of engagement, maybe some scope of action needs to be defined clearly for each of the alliances so that they don't interfere, but rather build upon uh, the value that's created with other partners too. So Ben, one of the things that strikes me is in a constellation, how fluid it actually can be. You can have a very loose constellation where the relationships for stars and different formations that you can elaborate on, but at the same time, it can be as tight as, say, a joint venture or a merger. Can you tell us a little more about that? Yes, absolutely. Just like is the case for a a partnership with a single partner, Uh, we can have very uh, loose or very tight formal uh, kind of arrangements. And, And what often happens with constellations is that we begin to build them 
um, with uh, deals that are maybe maybe on the on the looser side, and mm-hmm. we're starting to learn to work together. And it's a large group of players, so we actually don't always know who the best players are mm-hmm. on right. our team. Uh, and so it's important to be to be flexible and agile in that sense. And and using a team, uh, you know, we're in the beginning of the baseball season now, right now. It's it's right. very much what they're uh-huh. doing in spring training. They're right. they're taking on some players, and then they're deciding to make them part of the formal roster or not. Right. And I think constellations often grow that way uh, they start by by, by aggregating uh, lots of different players and then they they prune the constellation and they make them more formal and, and bring in the ones that are greater value mm-hmm. and closer to the core and it is important to have a core it's important to have a leadership uh, sometimes it's one firm but mo- many times it's a couple of firms that that could be at the center of the ecosystem or the constellation and so as you get more firm about exactly the shape of this business and how the constellation will compete uh, some of the players become closer in and others may fall off. Uh, and that's one of the ways in which constellations evolve and change over time. And that makes a lot of sense, especially when you're creating new value. In other mm-hmm. words, it's never exactly. been done before. You're right. redefining what's possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. So it has exactly. to be like that. So then yeah. how does that kind of thing impact on sharing value in these alliance constellations because it can be pretty complex yeah it, it's complex and it's and it's tricky because the sharing of value which again is something that happens for any alliance whether right. it's a multiple or single uh, player uh, the sharing of value is also very dynamic uh, mm-hmm. over time uh, as a business develops uh, it turns out we get to see which part of the business in a way is most valuable uh, take the example you know from computers when when IBM and Intel and Microsoft way back when uh, started the microcomputer revolution, mm-hmm. uh, everyone thought that IBM was the chief player there and uh, the lead of that constellation of three. It turned out that uh, Intel and Microsoft, in fact, were the ones that captured most of the value that was created by that particular grouping. Mm-hmm. So I think we see that in groupings, in constellations of every sort, that what they try to do is something new. And because it's something new, we don't really know exactly where in this value chain value will settle. Mm-hmm. And so uh, over time, some partners may get stronger, others get weaker. And that, of course, leads also to change in the structure of those constellations also. But it has to be fluid. And in the end, it has to be what's perceived as fair by all of the partners in that constellation. I think so. I mean, yeah. uh, again, if, if we if we share value in a way uh, that leaves uh, one of the players uh, to feel that they got the short end of the stick, then it's, it's quite common, obviously, and understandable uh, that they will not want to invest anymore in that right. kind of relationship. And that's one of the ways in which constellations, and as well as alliances of, uh, of simpler sort, uh, break up. Uh, is when value is not distributed in a way that uh, reinforces the value for all of the, each of the players involved. So Ben, having that awareness of the value creation and combinations, keeping in mind the special governance considerations and constellations, and also how you're going to share value so that it is fair to all and there's a good ROI are going to be these three rules of business combinations we, we can't overlook. I think that's right. So we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, Scott and I will talk more with Ben Gomez Caceres, author of Remix Strategy, about immediately actionable things you can do to create alliance constellations that can give your company true competitive advantage. Stay with us.
You're listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. We focus on enabling visionary leaders to dramatically increase momentum for game-changing results. And we're on the web at businessadvance.com. If you're finding this discussion of getting the most from your business combinations useful, we invite you to download our free special report, Building Powerful Strategic Alliances. We developed our findings and conclusions based on responses from senior executives in over 15 industry sectors. While strategic partnering is becoming more important than ever before, Over half of the senior executives we surveyed were dissatisfied with the outcomes. Find out why and what you can do to increase your return on your partnering investment. Learn more by going to growthigniters.com, episode 114. Scroll down to the resources section and click on the link Download Strategic Alliances Report. And feel free to contact us if you have any questions. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been talking with Ben Gomez-Casaras, author of Remix Strategy, about how creating alliance constellations can create a competitive advantage. We've also discussed aspects of the three rules of business combinations that Ben describes in his book, Remix Strategy. Ben, how can people find out more about you and your books? Well, thank you, Pam. Uh The book is available on Amazon.com. It is published by Harvard Business School Press, and it's called Remix Strategy, as you said. And there are additional views and blogs and perspectives on my website uh, called RemixStrategy.com. One of the things I especially like about this book is that you have so many helpful diagrams so that it's easy to digest the concepts. Right. Thank you, Pam. So I do have uh, about 20 uh, frameworks, uh, tools that you can apply, and some of them apply directly, I think, to this question that we're discussing today. This segment of Growth Igniters Radio is where we like to talk about these immediately useful ideas. Let's talk first about an immediately useful idea for creating the right constellation structure for your strategic objective. Right. So I think the the thing you need to do there is to understand what capabilities or assets are needed to succeed in the business. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't just mean what do we have in-house. It actually means what is outside of our company that may be useful to us. Mm -hmm. And so what I do for this is uh, ask people to uh, sort of list or chart all of the various pieces of the puzzle, whether it's production or channels or software and hardware or services, Mm -hmm. All these pieces, if they need to work together well for our business to succeed, Mm -hmm. then they are pieces that are complementary that we need to find a way to create some sort of link, some sort of loose partner or tight partnership. Okay, Ben, what if we don't know what we don't know? We're creating something that we've never done before. We have a great idea. It's a wish that's being taken seriously. Now we're turning it into a a reality. How do we chart that out if we don't know all the pieces? We don't necessarily have everything in our company, and that's why Mm -hmm. we need to look outside. How do we figure it out? 
Well, uh, when we when we're doing something entrepreneurial and innovative in that sense, uh, then clearly we, it's it's much more dicey, I suppose, to think about exactly what it is we might need. Mm -hmm. And so, under those circumstances, with that uncertainty about exactly whom we might need to ally with, uh, we form alliances and partnerships that allow for flexibility. Ah. That are, in a way, their bets, their their ways to create okay. an option on the future where we can later maybe get deeper with them, or if it turns out that the world moves in a different direction, because as you said, we don't know the answer of that, uh, then we might um, close down that alliance. And mm -hmm. so it's important to keep that flexibility in mind when you when you set up the alliance, because you're going to need it later on as the world unfolds. Okay. And so one of the things that I infer from what you just said is that discovering new partners in your ecosystem can be enabled by first identifying someone closer in that you think is valuable, and they may know other organizations that are valuable as well, mm -hmm. and one builds on the other. It's the sort of the, the friend of my friend is my friend, right. and so uh, we, we <laughs> right. want to understand what, what they think is valuable uh -huh. and, and have a, a larger conversation in the team, if you will. The other um, strategy is the, the enemy of my enemy is, is my friend. Ah. So one also has to understand uh, who else is competing right. or is trying to start a business like we are, ah. and, and what are they using as partners? So if okay. you look today at the uh, you know ride-sharing services, Uber and Lyft and all of those, right. each one of them has a different car maker, for example, that mm -hmm. becomes their main partner, or map maker that becomes their main partner. And so it's important to know the landscape even beyond your own constellation to understand the, the footprint, if you will, uh, of your rivals in, in the same game. And so that's how you can discover new partners in the ecosystem. Yeah. All right. And I would guess also that maybe to a certain extent, having some checkpoints or milestones where you can say, Things should certainly be happening in a certain direction. We need to evaluate at these points before too much risk right. uh, yeah, yeah. happens. Yes, and well, I think, uh, you know, the, the lean startup methods are very right. apropos here, where right. you where you do something in a small way to see how it works, and then you pivot and you change uh, the direction uh, of your strategy. That applies to product development mm -hmm. in, the, in the lean startup kind of model, but it also applies to creating your uh, constellation or your set of partnerships, because each of those will prove its value over time, uh, usually in a short time, uh, or it turns out that maybe it's not the right partnership. Mm -hmm. And just as with other uh, models, as you said, you develop a better sense as you go along of the critical success factors, the things that need to really happen to give you the full value. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very important not just to think upfront when you set up an alliance or a constellation, but to monitor them and to right. and to and to be conscious uh, of the returns that are being uh, produced by this strategy, both to you as well as to your partners. Because again, uh, if they don't get the returns that they seek, uh, they will lose interest. Right. Okay. So, uh, also, what could you suggest in terms of ensuring that you and your management team? are able to effectively lead the constellation. Well, that uh, what what matters there is is that we think w broadly, uh, that mm -hmm. we have a, a mindset that that's beyond our firm. 
you know, uh, uh, Copernicus and, and Galileo uh, showed us that uh, the Earth is not in the center of the universe or right. the solar system, but that we are all part of a larger system. Uh, and I think uh, many companies maybe think of themselves as the center of the universe, and mm -hmm. that, that sometimes <laughs> right. does not allow them to see the value uh, that's, that's sometimes just around the corner outside ah. of their borders. Uh, and so it is important to step back and to ask the critical question, what role do we play in this larger uh, system of players? Uh, and therefore, how can we lead this larger group in a way that uh, creates more value for, for all? I would agree with you. I also think uh, from things that I've seen, having an understanding of what's really going on with your partners and what they're facing as their own companies is mm -hmm. very valuable because I can remember one situation where uh, a CEO was talking to me about the fact that three of his alliance partners were not able to come through. Something had happened in mm -hmm. each case all at once, which was very <laughs> unfortunate. Mm -hmm. And he had to be able to figure out how he was going to lead this group that was facing their own crises simultaneously. Right. I mean, it doesn't happen often, but it does happen. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, uh, yes, when it happens simultaneously, that is a particular uh, problem, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. Uh, yes. But yes, no, you know, stepping in the shoes of your partners and knowing what they live and why they are allied to you is the first rule, I suppose, of uh, being able to manage that relationship well. Mm -hmm. uh, and when we do that for a single alliance, we might call it a, a health check, uh, uh -huh. where we take a, a good look at uh, how our relationship is going, what each one is getting out of it, uh, are we communicating properly, are we thinking strategically, and, and in a way you can get people in the room to do that on a one-on-one -on -one, uh, kind of alliance. It's harder when you have a multiple uh, party situation mm -hmm. with a constellation, but again, those companies and those groupings that do that well, do do bring people together in the room from different players and find ways to establish not just contracts between them, but social relationships right. uh, between the players from different partners uh, so that they act as a, as a team rather than just sort of one-on-one -on -one alliances. And it is so important to really bear that trust building in mind, because if you don't have trust, no one's going to talk to anybody. People will withhold and you'll get surprised. And yeah. the more complex the relationship is, the more you really have to focus on building that sense of community in mm -hmm. that relationship. Absolutely. And, and when you build that larger community, it's also important to have some rules of engagement, some right. membership norms, so that, uh, in fact, we know what's expected of different players in the group. And therefore, trust doesn't get broken because we just sort of stepped on the wrong toe here. Right. Uh, we we want to know exactly what each one of these uh, players inside a larger grouping, uh, what the scope of their, their uh, responsibilities and, and their role is. And that uh, makes it easier, I think, to to establish the trust that you're describing. This is a lot to bear in mind, but you know, the outcomes and the payoffs can be so tremendous. Thank you so much for talking with us today and sharing more of the three rules of business combinations and how we can change our game. Thank you, Pam and Scott. It's my pleasure, and I, I welcome your readers to engage with me uh, on my website. Very good. Thanks, Ben. And thanks to you out there for listening. To get show notes and resource links for this week's episode, go to growthignitersradio.com, episode 114. Until next time, this is Pam Harper. And Scott Harper. Wishing you continued success and leaving you with these questions to discuss with your team. How can we change our own competitive game through Alliance Constellations? 
and how can we apply the three rules of business combinations most effectively to create more successful outcomes for any of these relationships. Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio are service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses, including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated, are prohibited. All rights reserved.